Shut up and sit down. I'm Dr. Corbin Weaver, an OB-GYN resident. I'm Dr. Katie Wyatt, and I'm one too. And I'm Dave Etler, their pod father. And, and we, we are, are the Vagabonds. Three friends venturing through the world of feminism and healthcare for women, babies, and people of all kinds. We don't give medical advice, and we don't speak for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having in bars anyway. Hello. Today we're going to be talking about the placenta and why it's the best organ for your baby. Best organ of all. Yeah. It's my second favorite organ. Disposable organ. It is. Yeah, that's kind of cool. The only organ that... I never thought of it that way. The only organ that you spit out when you're done with it. And that you make a new one for every time it needs to be used. Amazing. Wow. Cray cray. All right. We have kind of talked about placentas a little bit before. We have. It was one of our first episodes. Was it? What did we talk about? Yeah, we talked I about don't remember. Phage, didn't we? But then I remember. Yeah, we did, and I remember the name of it was pl- your the placenta is your baby's first womb mate or something yeah. like that. Ha <laughs> ha, we're hilarious. That was back when we still did like uh, catchy titles. Yeah, we're pros now. We don't. We dispense with all the all the fluff and the foofra. I just love get right fluff to- and foofra. All right, maybe we should not dispense with fluff and foofra then. Let's um, name this well, one. I mean, oh wait, we sorry, need to have yeah. one about just placentas and name it "womb." There it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, Katie's, what? Katie's pretty proud of herself, Corbin. Isn't that kind of like your uh, uh, uterus? I keep wanting to say Matrice because I talk to. I have so many Spanish-speaking patients, <laughs> and so you know, Matrice. It's kind of like um, uh, it's it's like for uterus, but it's kind of like a. So the technical term is like utero, but most of our patients call it their matrice. Does that mean their womb? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. One of our attendings always calls it your womb when he's talking to patients. I'm like, this is so strange to me. <laughs> like most, I feel like most people know what a uterus is. Yeah. I feel like womb was more common back in the day, but yeah, now like a, we've he's not even, that's a weird thing. He's not old. It's like not an old attending. That's why it's weird to me, I think. All right, so the placenta, what is it? Well, the placenta is a thing. It's an organ. It's a thing. It is a noun. It is a person, place, or thing. More specifically, a thing. Also, I'm so tired. (laughs) And (laughs) my head hurts. hurts. Corbin and Dave already know this, but I didn't have coffee this morning. so, And it's now 8.30 p.m., so y'all are getting... Real prime, Katie. Let me tell I'm you. I'm probably on my like seventh Diet Coke of the day. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> don't don't taunt Katie with your caffeinate caffeinization. I'm That's just weird. trying to like chug as much water as possible. I'm hoping that will help my vasoconstriction <laughs> that's happening in my brain. Yeah. Or vasodilation, whatever the hell. I don't know. I can't think. Anyway, the placenta. You're the right person to talk about a placenta today. Though. Yeah. All right. So placentas are an organ that go essentially connect the maternal blood supply and the fetal blood supply in its most basic job. So uh, what happens is when you get preggers, the originally the baby, sorry, originally the embryo doesn't have a placenta yet because um, implant, or I mean fertilization happens before implantation. 
uh, which we've kind of talked about before. So essentially egg meets sperm and that can happen anywhere like all along the tubes. And then in a normal pregnancy, if everything works how it's supposed to, then the embryo travels down the tube and it survives from um, from early things in the embryo, like the yolk sac and the, um, is that the syncytiotrophoblast, right, Corbs? Um, that's what's helping it survive before the placenta can implant. So you don't actually need a placenta at the beginning, which is kind of cool. Then once you get to the endometrial cavity. Is that like the same as like the, when like a chicken inside an egg? No. It's, it's not like a yolk? That's like a yolk sac. Okay. But the difference between chickens, though, is mammals have placentas. Yeah. So, like, chickens don't have placentas. Right? Because right, well, everything that a, a chick needs to develop is in the yolk sac. I see. But in humans, the yolk sac only sustains them until the placenta takes over. That's what I was saying. Yeah. But the. Okay. Yeah, right. Just agree with me. Okay. For once. Whatever. <laughs> oh, I forgot to have you tell us what a placenta was, Dave. Okay. It's yeah. all right. Anyway, that's all right. Um, okay, so then there. So I'm looking at this like textbook, and I don't really want to go into all the crazy things about the placenta. But Corbin did want me to say the word syncytiotrophoblast. I did, so I did it. Um, okay, but anyway, so and then once the placenta forms, there's different parts of it. So there's the part that's closer to the mom, and then there's the that's called the basal plate, and then there's the part that's closer to the fetus, which is called the chorionic plate. And then in between there is a whole bunch of these like finger-like projections that have arteries and veins in them. And so if you think about a placenta as um, if you put a placenta is kind of like lung sort of where you have like big pools of material. That's not, they're not like lungs at all. That doesn't make sense. If you put a big pool of maternal blood and then you put in these little finger-like projections in there then the maternal blood has lots of oxygen and the fetal blood has not as much oxygen and so then it diffuses across the membrane Mm -hmm. and then it goes to the baby Mm -hmm. and that's how it works so that is why like when you deliver a placenta then there's can be a lot of bleeding because there's those big maternal blood lakes is what they're called um and so that's why yeah which is like not not the most fun lake you've ever been to. <laughs> but also the best death metal band name. <laughs> yeah, yes. New band name, Blood Lakes. Yeah, um, yeah so that's how Maternal Blood it Lakes. works. Um, yeah, and then the whole point of the um, little finger-like projections is that it just increases the surface area. So you can have like the most efficient... Um, transfer of the oxygen and then also waste, obviously, because um, babies have no way to get rid of their waste besides through their mom. Um, other things about the placenta, it's usually in, they, it's classically described as a disc-like shape. Um, and that's kind of what it looks like if you've ever seen the placenta. But they can also have different shapes to them. Um, there's something called a succinctriate lobe that you can sometimes have the mm-hmm. placenta which is where you have like the main part of the placenta and then so the placenta forms from like one of the cell layers that surrounds the entire embryo at first and then as it like involutes it forms just that disc but what can happen is that part of it can like partially involute but then leave part of it and so then you just have this like random other part of your placenta um and so it makes your placenta kind of look like a 
snowman, sort of. Uh, and that's called a succentriate lobe. Right. So many fun names for things. That's happened to me before. Snowman. Pulled one of those suckers out. Oh, yeah. They're so weird. Yeah. The reason I knew it was the thing is because I was like screwing around with these membranes and they just like wouldn't come. I'm like, what mm. the heck is going on here? The other part of it was and still put, stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good times. And then the typically the umbilical cord inserts into the middle of the placenta of the chorionic plea of the placenta that's the baby side Um, but sometimes it attaches towards the edge and that is called a marginal cord insertion and then sometimes it inserts on um like it doesn't insert into the placenta it it kind of has free uh blood vessels that go into the placenta like the cord stops and then just the blood vessels go and that's called a filamentous cord insertion um, and that is dangerous um, because obviously if that core, if the uh, membranes were to rupture right there, then all the cord blood would go out and bad. That'd be bad. Yeah. And then um, you can also, what was the other thing? Oh, and then with that, you can have uh, vasa previa, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and then other things for the placenta, we've kind of talked, we've talked about placenta previas before, right? Mm. I don't recall. Maybe you should review. Okay. Well, I was going to anyway. So then that is the different types of cord insertion on the placenta. So these are just things that like you might have heard sometime. And then there's also differences in where the placenta can sit once it implants in your uterus. And so um, the most common site is fundal. So that means that kind of just gets stuck to the top of your uterus. Um, and it just kind of lives there and it's away from anything, not causing any problems. And then it can also be anterior or posterior and then it can be off to the right or left too. And so this just is where it kind of implants and where it ends up. That's just kind of the wall of the uterus that it's sticking to while the baby's developing. Um, but then you can obviously, since it can fit anywhere, it can also kind of implant right over the cervix. And so obviously... Well, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound good. Right. So when you have a baby typically if you're having a vaginal delivery or you're going to labor even then your cervix starts to dilate and so if you have those big maternal blood lakes and your cervix the thing that was in front of it on one side starts to open then you just have those maternal blood lakes just kind of bleeding into free space so into the vagina so this is obviously very dangerous so that's called a placenta previa so that means the placenta is over the cervix Um, and then there's also The cool thing, though, about placentas is that they move, which is kind of people say they move, which is kind of a mislabeling of what happens. But they actually, um, as you progress in pregnancy, the part of your uterus that grows the most and stretches the most is the lower lower third. And so a lot of times they're implanted on the lower third of the uterus and then kind of that part of the uterus moves away as it stretches. And then so they don't end up having a placenta previa by the time it's time to deliver, which is good because that would be really bad. Before we had C-sections, a lot more people would have died. Interesting side note. uh, Mm -hmm. In the the 90s, there was a a van named a Toyota previa. What? (laughs) It's true. Let's get that and make it the Vagabonds. The Vagabonds car. If we ever need to go on the road, if we ever need to take the shit on the road, we'll yeah, we're gonna travel that. in our. Oh, I'm looking you know, at it. Oh my god, it looks so terrible. Toyota Previa. 
<laughs> oh, it is the ugliest minivan you could ever imagine. Don't be afraid. Now I'm looking at it. You have it. Oh my god. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely seen those before. Seen them around. This is amazing. Well, there you go. Wow. I taught you something today. Yeah. Everyone listening, go it. look up a Toyota Previa. This is the interactive portion of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Other things about the placenta. Uh, oh, yeah. And then there's also this thing called a placenta accreta, mm. which is really scary. Um, oh, sorry. Placenta previa. Back to that. You can have, um, so that's what I was talking about, the vasa previa. So like a placenta previa, if you're, Placenta is on one side of your cervix and you have a filamentous cord insertion where the cord inserts into the membranes and then the free vessels run through the membranes. Mm -hmm. Then, and that goes in front of the uh, cervix. That's called a vasa previa. Mm -hmm. And that is Mm. also very scary and dangerous. Okay. So those are all all things that are well, those are things that are well diagnosable in advance right uh if you get appropriate ultrasound so a placenta previa and a vasa previa are only diagnosable by ultrasound or like obviously if a mom comes in like hemorrhaging then that would suck but yeah it's a thing that we know um okay and then placenta accreta is the other main thing that we think about when we think about abnormal placentas and so it's a actually a spectrum of accreta um so an accreta an increta and a percreta and so accreta so when the uh, embryo when the placenta implants into the wall of the uterus it's not actually implanting into the muscle of the uterus it's just embedding in the endometrium but sometimes the syncytiotrophoblasts get a little aggressive and they implant too far and they go into the muscle of the uterus and so that is called a placenta accreta and then if it goes through greater than 50 percent of the muscle it's called an increta and if it goes outside the uterus serosa then it's called a percreta and so obviously um the percreta is the one that sounds the most scary right because that is like it can invade into other structures like the bladder the bowel um kind of anything that's around where it is and so those are really scary. Um, and what can happen is the endometrium is like a really loose, fluffy lining. And when the placenta delivers, the uterus contract, or when the baby delivers, excuse me, then the uterus starts to contract and the placenta just kind of falls off normally. But when those um, little finger-like projections are in the muscle, it's a lot harder for it to fall off. And so whenever you have a retained Sometimes it can tear off and leave a part in. And when you have a retained placenta, that's what that's called, um, you have a really high risk of bleeding and hemorrhage. Um, and so sometimes in order to save people's lives, we have to just do what's called a cesarean hysterectomy, which is where we take out their entire uterus at the time of their C-section. Um, and that is to save their lives because they're bleeding too much and we uh, can't leave it in. And we also can't get the placenta out it just won't come because it's very stuck and this is still a not a i mean not a common cause but it's one of the causes of maternal death still um despite you know good ultrasound diagnosis and things like that which really sucks 
Um, apparently that uh, per creta makes up only 6% of the abnormal adhesions. And then an accreta, which is the most mild one, is 76%. Um, yeah. yeah, it's crazy town, though. Well, on the plus side, I think Toyota has their next, their their next, next name. minivan name. I think you're right. We Toyota per creta. <laughs> I think accreta sounds better. Than per Creta. But you know, that's that's for the marketing boffins to figure out. You know what I'm saying? Can you hear we'll Miguel? Let them, we'll let them worry about it. He's purring. He's Miguel wanted to podcast today. <clears throat> I don't He's hear Miguel. Hello, Miguel. Say hello. He's so shocked. Anyway. <laughs> Miguel, do you want to learn about placentas? Yes, he does. All right. What else about placentas? Mm, I don't really know. Placentas are cool. They'd be cool. Um, do you have any other fun facts about placentas, Corbs? Um, no. Oh, I know. Okay. Twins. Twins are always interesting when it comes to placentas. Mm. Oh, sure. So twins, you might, if you've ever heard people talk about twins, you've heard them talk about identical and fraternal, but that just means what their genes are. It doesn't necessarily, we don't really care about that as much when we're um, talking about pre- twin pregnancies. What we do care about is something, if you might have heard people call it die-die or mono-mono or mono-die. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about this. I, I You explained it to me, but I want you to explain it again because... Yeah. So what the what the die-die stands for is dichorionic diamniotic. So that's and two separate placentas. Correct. So chorion is the inside sac. So there's actually two layers to the sac. I don't remember if we've talked about this or not, but there's two layers to the the membranes, like the quote unquote, you know, the membranes that you say. The inside is the chorion and the outside is the amnion, right? Or did I get that backwards? Well, I guess if it's the same as the placenta, you got it right. The chorion is the baby side of the placenta. Amnion. Not chorion. No, amnion is the inside. Chorion is the outside. Oh, yeah. okay. Because, so if you're die-die, so die-amniotic, die-chorionic, that means there's two sacs and two placentas. If you're mono-mono, it means there's one sac and one placenta. And if you're mono-die, then there's one placenta, so monochorionic, and then two sacs, so die-amniotic. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. The problem is I never is remember that, it, but Yeah, it's okay. It's you don't have to. All you need to know is that as you get more monos, it's more dangerous essentially that's what you mm-hmm. gotta know because okay. if you're gonna have twins we want you to have diamniotic dichorionic twins dichorionic diamniotic twins so that they that each is, have their own supply yeah. Or yeah their own connection to the mother and their own supply of nutrients right. and good stuff yeah and then if they have one placenta then they have to share that placenta and yeah. so what can happen is one of them can get more nutrients than the other and that is called twin twin transfusion syndrome. And oh, then when you have that. yeah, but you're still the um the uh the sacs are still separated, so the babies are separated from each other by that membrane, so they can't like get at each other. When you have mono mono twins, then there's one sac, and so the babies can like do somersaults all over each other. And so what can happen is the cords can be entangled so they can like get knots in each other's cords, which is why it's really dangerous. Mm. Plus they can also get twin twin transfusion transfusion syndrome. Mm. Yes. So 
Um, let's see what else. What do you do when that's the case? Um, you put them when in the you hospital. you know that that's the case. When they're mono-mono? Yeah. Yeah, you put them in the hospital just... early and you just monitor them uh-huh. so that like if essentially if they were to have a cord accident, you could like intervene. You would at least try to intervene. And how early are they in the hospital? Um, I try to. I don't know if there's a standard because I. It also depends on if they have trans twin twin transfusion syndrome too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. Corbs, do you guys have a standard? I feel like it's pretty early, like twenty eight, thirty weeks or something. When like to that. monitor for that? Weeks. Or yeah, when you put mono monos in the hospital, uh, we uh, usually do like twenty eight weeks, twenty seven or twenty eight yeah. weeks, mm-hmm. and then they're yeah. there until oh, delivery. Would, would you usually say thirty two yep. weeks? Yeah. Mm. Um. Okay. Other things about the placenta. Oh, I can't believe I forgot to talk about this. Uh, placental abruption is another. I feel like we're only talking about scary things about the placenta. All you got to know is that the placenta usually does its job and it's great. <laughs> yes. Um the that's the pl- case with everything. Yeah. That's like right? literally everything about pregnancy. Usually this works, but <laughs> just in case it doesn't, here's all the things you need to know. Uh, um but okay, so placenta abruption is where the placenta prematurely shears off the inside of the uterus so like how i was talking about after the baby is born it does that but when it does it before the baby's born then the baby isn't getting any more oxygen or nutrients or anything and so that is obviously very dangerous so that is another like surgical ob emergency where you have to you should do a c-section if if they're unstable there's sometimes where like a little part of it can come off and they can have a little bit of bleeding but the baby still does okay um and so as long as the baby is maintaining good like um like a heart rate tracing is how we monitor them, then you're usually okay as long as the mom isn't like going into, um, isn't coagulopathic or like essentially if she's not bleeding out enough to make her um, go into DIC, which is really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. The other things what's, we're what's learning. DIC? Uh, DIC is disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, but oh. as our friend Austin put it, it stands for death is coming. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yeah, it's bad. It doesn't sound great. It sounds like everything is coagulating. It basically means that you are running out of the clotting factors in your blood, and so that when you bleed, you like can't stop it, and it just like keeps bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's not fun. Okay. Um, the other cool thing about the placenta is that it's one of the organs that we don't know a ton about, and so we're doing lots of research on it. Um, so there, we talked about preeclampsia before, and there is a theory that that well, pretty good evidence that placenta has something to do with um, high blood pressure and preeclampsia in pregnancy because people with more than one placenta, aka twins, um, have increased risk of preeclampsia. And then people with larger placentas um, or like placental issue, not larger placentas, but um, like placental issues have a higher risk of preeclampsia as well. Um, and then um, let's see what else. Um, Oh, and then other things for like where the placenta is um, and having like a accreta, percreta, stuff like that. Um, if you've had a C-section before, then there's like a little divot in your uterus where that C-section scar was. And so sometimes that can be a kind of a, a place where the placenta implants and forms one of those abnormal um, placental attachments. And so we always look, if you've had a C-section, we always look to see if, if the placenta is involved with your um, C-section, inc- old incision. Is that a 
bad thing or just not necessarily a it's uh it's just push you and at, at increased risk of a placenta accreta okay. and also if you have to have another c-section then we'd be cutting right into your placenta which would suck mm. Mm. oh because you want to go you want to use because you don't really want to cut into yeah. it yeah yeah yes but yeah anyway all right you got anything else about placenta oh, corpse? that was yeah. like a good rundown of placentas placentas seem pretty cool they are cool know your so- placenta so cool all right speaking um, of placentas being cool some people think their placentas are really cool so i was <laughs> going to talk about lotus birth real quick okay all right i'm not judging anybody who does lotus birth but i'm just going to talk about what it is can i judge them sure if you want to all right. i actually i don't know i googled this the other day because we were talking about it so lotus birth is also called umbilical cord non-severance it's the practice of leaving the umbilical cord uncut after childbirth so that the baby is left attached to the placenta until it naturally separates. So until the cord naturally falls off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Yes. I don't, okay. Yes. I don't, so, I, don't, I don't love this for a very personal reason, which I will get into. Yeah. So the reason that I don't like it is because apparently this is part of, um, it's part of many cultures including the Balinese cultures and the Kung people. Um, but in the 1980s, yoga, white yoga practitioners um, from the United States and Australia started essentially um, t- making this a thing. And um, they, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Culturally appropriated. appropriated? Mm-hmm, that's what I'm talking about. Um, and they... Uh, have started it wasn't called a lotus birth before they like coined it that um but they say it creates a link between the preciousness of the placenta and the high esteem in which the lotus is held in the hindu and buddhist faiths so yes um and then it's essentially white people will just steal your shit yep it's true (laughs) we're gonna steal hashtag christopher columbus right (laughs) jesus christ okay um including jesus christ yeah (laughs) People try Probably. to think he's white. That's, that's true. <laughs> oh, man. Hot takes here. On the yeah, wow. Points. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so aside from, you know, all the cultural appropriation that happened, um, essentially people, which is, I mean, whatever. I don't understand. Like, I don't, medically, I don't understand. There is no, like, advantage to having your placenta um, continue. Like, I, whenever people say things are natural, like, it's not really natural in most natural childbirths like the placenta the cord like avulses because like if you think about like when a cow is born it falls on the floor and the cord breaks and so the cord isn't stuck to the placenta anymore anyway um but what they do is they kind of wrap the placenta they like rinse it dry it and then put on preservatives which aren't like preservatives like we think of but they put like a bunch of like herbs and like flowers and stuff like that on them and then they put it in a little bag um, and kind of carry it around with the baby. So there's that. I just thought that was interesting. So the, and then, yes, my very personal reason for yes, not please. loving this, I may have, I probably have mentioned on the show before, but one of my children's, my my son, his uh, his umbilical cord did not detach. Did you know his stump did not detach for a very very long time? Mm-hmm. And that thing stunk to high heaven. Mm-hmm. It interfered with my bonding of my child with my child <laughs> because every time I got close to him, I smelled death, and <laughs> I am I am not into this idea at all. But that's just yeah. me. 
that's just me. I, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna do a lotus birth, uh, you who might have you do you, but uh, just be prepared f- to be for breezing the heck out of your life. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. And then other things is you're at risk for infection because obviously a placenta is full of blood and blood is just a nidus for infection. It's just like a big bacterial broth that's just waiting. Um, and so the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, so this is like the British version of ACOG, um, they recommend that if you do a lotus birth, you closely monitor the baby for infection after birth. And then they also have a higher risk of jaundice. Um, so there are some risks associated with it. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, yeah. All right. The world is... Oh, hello. Oh, yeah, a kitty. That's Brian. The world's an interesting place. Yeah. All right. Last part about placentas. Mm-hmm. I said this on the last episode. 25 placenta recipes. <laughs> Easy and delicious recipes for cooking with placenta. Woo. Okay. By Robin Cook. You all know, right. first of all, uh, this seems like off the, off, the, off the cuff here, this seems like the kind of cookbook that... You know, unless you have twenty-five babies, mm-hmm. you don't. Uh, really you're need not going to be able to get that much out of. You know. That's true. Anyway. All right. What uh, recipe do you guys want to read? Placenta oh. pate, roast, <laughs> chopped placenta, power punch, roast placenta, placenta stroganoff, Let's do the stroganoff, placenta and onions, placenta cutlets, and lemon sauce. All right. <laughs> the what? Stroganoff. Oh God. All right. All I can think when you say power punch, all I can think of is UD punch. But (laughs) all right. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. Guess what? There is not actually chapters. Go figure. This book is not the highest quality. (laughs) Was it before or after the placenta? There it is. Placenta stroganoff. Okay, serve six. Okay. Um, two to three pounds of placenta meat cubed. That is a lot. Placentas do not how, typically how weigh placenta, that much. How much? Yeah. How big is a placenta? Not that big. Like a pound. Okay. It does seem big. Right? Oh, doesn't that seem big, Corbs? That's a lot of placenta meat. Huh. Placenta average weight. I'm Googling it. You got to have some friends. Some friends who want to donate their placenta. The placenta weighs about 1.5 pounds. But that's before, that's why it still has blood in it, though. All right. Anyway, so you need about three placentas. <laughs> if you have triplets, try, try triplets. All right. Three cups of beef or veal stock, which I like we're, that we're assuming that if someone's eating their placenta, they also will eat veal, which is baby cows. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're yes. cheating, actually. I agree. They should make the stock from other placentas. I agree. All right. One carrot, one medium onion, one pound of mushrooms. This makes a lot. Dang. Three cloves of garlic, six sprigs of fresh thyme, one bay leaf, one tablespoon of Dijon, a fourth cup plus one tablespoon of butter, two tablespoons of cognac, oil, salt and pepper, sour cream, fresh parsley. In a medium saucepan, heat the stock with the carrot, half the thyme sprigs, and the bay leaf. And then heat three tablespoons of oil in a high-lidded skillet and season the placenta meat with salt and pepper. Mmm. Brown the <laughs> meat in out, batches to ensure the, the a good salt brings out the, the, the salt brings out that placenta flavor. That Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Brown the meat in batches to ensure a good coloring on all sides. <laughs> Remove from the skillet once cooked and set aside. 
Pour out the oil, wipe out the skillet, place the skillet back on the heat, and add in a few more tablespoons of oil. Add the onions and cook till they're soft but not brown. Once done, add in the meat and the cognac and cook until the alcohol is cooked off. I would need alcohol to get me through this meal. I, I think we need. I think we need to talk about the definition of meat here. Yeah. Oh, that's part of. The, okay. So essentially, then you just make a stroganoff anyway. Gross. But, but uh, I think of meat as as muscle, but placenta isn't muscle. Right. So this it literally has a preface that says the placenta as an organ meat. Okay. Uh, placentophagy is the act of eating the placenta of a newborn offspring. In humans, it is believed that eating the placenta prevents the occurrence of postpartum depression as well as other post-childbirth complications for new mothers. Okay, well, that definitely depends who you ask. The placenta is an organ that develops in mammals to allow for the exchange of fluids and materials between the mother and the growing offspring. Dang, should have just read this for the whole podcast. (laughs) The placenta is high in progesterone and vitamin B6 and is thought to boost breast milk output as well as increase postpartum energy levels. Once the placenta has been expelled, it should be examined by a healthcare professional to ensure it is healthy and approved for consumption. Oh, hell yeah. That's good. The placenta can be kept in the fridge. What would you look for? What would you look for? Uh, Katie, uh, what, 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 what? I would say this is a placenta, yeah. And so you should not eat it. That's my medical opinion. <laughs> what, what, I don't know. I'm fascinated Shit. by this advice. Like, I don't know, Coors. Like, what would you? I what think you got to prepare for like this. This is gonna in your long careers, ladies. This is gonna happen to you. Somebody's gonna be like, oh, yeah. for sure. I guess if they had a cor- if they had choreo, like if they had an infection, I wouldn't let them. Um, I think there was that case report, right, of the lady who had um, GBS. Uh, She was GBS positive. She congested the, congested, uh, ingested the pills. Um, Yeah. Her baby got sepsis because she's breastfeeding. But then her baby got GBS sepsis. Yeah. Yeah. You can put it in the fridge, but if you don't use it within the day, then you got to put it in the freezer. You Mm -hmm. remove the umbilical cord as well as the membranes. That would be hard. Because they're like stuck to one side of it. Wash thoroughly and store chilled or frozen properly until ready to use. Oh, that's it. It doesn't even talk about it as organ meat, but essentially they just treat it like liver. Like if you're cooking with liver. I I don't know what to say except ew. Mm -hmm. It's not for me. It's not for me. Same. If Christine had suggested that we that we do this, I would I would uh, I think I would say I would have a counter suggestion of let's just use it to plant a nice tree. That's what I would do. You know? Yeah. I think that would be better. But you know, that's just me. We talked about um, the news a while back that uh, Planned Parenthood it was about a about a year ago, maybe maybe less. Planned maybe Parenthood less. had uh, had um, uh, taken on a uh, a new president and chief executive, Lena Wen, who is a Obijin, yeah. and no, it was she wasn't an Obijin, was she? Uh, oh, she was an OB, and but she was also their first, um, I believe, the first doctor who was president and chief executive. Um, well, her time has come to an end. Uh, just a few days ago, Dr. Wen, uh, Planned Parenthood uh, announced that it's oh. president and chief mm. executive. No, she's, sorry. She's emergency medicine. I'm wrong. Sorry. Oh. Yeah, that's what oh. I thought. Anyway, yes. Okay. It's okay. All right. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, just uh, just the other day, uh, Planned Parenthood announced that its president and chief executive would be leaving. And just a few days ago, Dr. Wen wrote a column in the New York Times describing her understanding of the reasons for the split. Um 
And it's interesting because it, it, by all accounts, there was a disconnect between uh, Wen's vision of Planned Parenthood's mission, which is to provide and promote, which in her estimation was to provide and promote all aspects of women's health care, including abortion. But Wen wanted to depoliticize abortion in the hopes that it would um, counter the the Planned Parenthood's overriding image as an abortion provider. Um, mm. So her plan, yeah, her plan was to basically like bring it all together, talk about all of that together, and hopefully people would um, feel more comfortable with Planned Parenthood. Um, she also wanted to include um, more nuanced views of abortion, including those people who wrestle with you know, abortions, moral implications, um, but who also don't like when the government intrudes into the doctor-patient relationship by legislating against abortion. So that was her plan. She brought in a team of experts in public health and health policy, but apparently uh, its board of directors seem to feel increasing pressure to keep abortion as its, as its main political focus, given that the recent laws in Ohio and Alabama and Indiana and Louisiana and Missouri were drastically restricting abortion access. And then the threat that uh, this is very recent that the Donald Trump administration would begin enforcing a gag rule that would forbid doctors and nurses at federally funded clinics from referring patients to abortion care. So we're feeling the pressure, I guess, from these recent issues. And then, uh, you know, a bunch of people left, a bunch of top leaders at the organization left, including a lot of people in the politics, policy, and campaigns portions of the, of the organization. So yeah, she's on the she's on the outs. Um, and my question for you, my friends, is who has the right vision? What do you think? Is it Dr. Wen, her vision of promoting Planned Parenthood's Planned Parenthood's efforts across the spectrum of women's health care, um, de-emphasizing abortion in the public's mind and allowing people to understand and participate more in its mission, or is it the board's vision of fighting a progressive political war against the foes of Roe v. Wade? <sighs> Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it's a, uh, what's it called? It's a, cor it's a corporation or whatever it is. It's a, it's a company. It's not a person. So, I mean, whatever their board of directors wants it to do is what they should do. But I mean, it does kind of, the thing about Planned Parenthood is that there aren't very many like abortion clinics, quote unquote, um, that can like that have as many resources and as much of like a network as Planned Parenthood does and so in that way like I do think we need someone to like be very vocal that has a lot of resources in the current legislature so be very vocal about the whole mission of Planned Parenthood no about abortion rights about abortion rights okay yeah but at the same time it would help Planned Parenthood if they were less associated with abortion probably yeah. But that doesn't mean it's right. What do you think, Kate, uh, Corbin? Um, I don't think... I feel like so I don't think that she's ever going to be able to win that war that, like, Planned Parenthood is... I mean, is not just a abortion provider. I don't think that people who, like, target Planned Parenthood will ever... I don't think you're going to win people over with that. Um, I think it's kind of a losing argument. And I also think, kind of like what Katie was saying, like... Planned Parenthood is an advocacy group in a way, you know, like they're not just a health clinic. And so I think it does society good to normalize abortion, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, 
I think she I think she didn't want to win over people who were anti-abortion necessarily. I think what she wanted to do was win over people who were who, you know, were were sort of felt it was morally ambiguous. Um, so they weren't quite like this is a sin, um, but they felt more there was a more nuanced. They had a more nuanced perception of abortion, you know. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, I guess whatever her her desire um that is no longer so yeah mm-hmm. oh well you know we can't always but i mean she was the health commissioner of baltimore before this so mm-hmm. she'll probably do more great things i'm uh, yeah i'm not worried about Dr. and i would say anyone who is advocating for a more nuanced view of abortion is okay in my book yeah yeah i mean yeah, she she really wanted to in her in her um, op-ed that was published uh, a couple days ago. She said she really wanted to. Um, she was push. She sort of was uh, pushing against this, um, you know, this this false dichotomy like that we have um, in in politics right now, where everybody is like for or against something, mm-hmm. and you know, you have to be angry or or happy um, with the current state of affairs. I mean, I totally see her point. And I actually think, I mean, her perspective is kind of like normal, you know, normalizes abortion by being like, hey, we're just a health clinic. And yes, we do abortions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just like any other procedure or service we offer kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Which I wish every OB office could be like that in my ideal world. Indeed. Yep. Well, fallopian files? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I'll All edit right. that out. <laughs> no, worth it. People life. need to know, Dave. Oh. I need to think God. of what I've These been These poor doing. people have to listen to us go through residency. <laughs> um, okay. I have mine. You can think. I just started watching the old Veronica mm. Mars because it's oh. on Hulu because I'm going to watch the new Veronica Mars. So I'm okay. So first of all, no spoilers. Love Veronica Mars. I've never seen it. Wow. I know. Oh, girl. Was it on like free television? Yeah. It was. It a was? Fox thing, I, think. I think it was a Fox oh. show. See. Oh, see. I don't but, know. But um. But yeah, it's so good. Um. I was confused about this announcement because I for I I I mean I meant to look it up. So there were three seasons of Veronica Mars. Uh huh. That's how many seasons there were. And right? now they're doing a new fourth season. Wait, I thought you said there were three seasons. Well, because what I read was that the, that the fourth season had been released on on Hulu. Right. And is it a new, like, is it... The is fourth it, season is like the new, the new stuff. So these are all new episodes. It's not like they're releasing the already existing fourth season on Hulu. They're right. releasing new episodes of Veronica Mars, the fourth season. Right. Fuck yes, because yeah. there was no fourth season before, right? Fuck what you're yeah. Saying? Yeah, okay. That's what I was hoping for. All right, totally on that. When Christine gets back from her business trip, I know Hell what you. we're watching. Hell you. Coraline, Coraline liked that show too, as I recall. I can see that. It's very good. Yeah. What about you, Corbin? Um, hmm. My Flopping Files is um Below Deck Mediterranean. And my new trashy television on Bravo that I am enjoying right now. <laughs> oh, this is yeah. the cruise ship one. I'm enjoying yeah. it right now. They're all in the cruise. I don't know why. These are 
These are they're like okay, so they're are, basically it's the crew of like a super yacht, and so they like yeah. have really really rich people charter these yachts basically for a weekend, and it's about like the crew and their life on doing this. Yeah, oh oh it's kind of crazy. They work a lot. It's kind of crazy how much they work and like some of the requests they get, and they're just like have to accommodate them, and it's kind of it is crazy. I had my own uh, uh, ship ship uh, shipboard drama. Oh yeah, recently. yeah yeah. We we Airbnb a boat. Oh fancy, <gasps> cool. Boston Harbor. Me and Christine and our um, and our best friends and, and uh, I ended up having to go to the emergency room because I kept, I kept fainting because <laughs> it was so fucking hot and Dang. I got so dehydrated. And oh, uh, Dave, did you try drinking water? Well, that was. <laughs> Wow! What uh, apparently? What a bitch! Yeah, yeah. I fainted like three times, and I had to be brought to the ER by by ambulance because they didn't know what the heck was was going on. But yeah, it turns out you got to drink water when it's really fucking hot out, and you're on a boat. So mm, okay, I'm fine. All is well. Well, I'm glad you're fine, Dave. Yes, yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, me too. That's terrifying. <laughs> apparently, it was. Did you sing the song "I'm on a Boat"? <laughs> I, I didn't feel well enough after that. That's so fair. Maybe I would have. They didn't have any AC on the boat. There was, but mm-hmm. you know, we were on deck. We were sitting out on deck, having some drinks. Oh, that's also why. Not having enough. Uh, not having enough water. My blood pressure was eighty-six over fifty-three when they. Jesus. <laughs> that's not and normal. No. Now, uh, and now every every couple of days, my mother calls to. Uh, at least when I was at home, my mother calls to called to uh, tell me to drink some water. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but like, do drink some water. Yeah, right. I'm much more aware of this. Yay! All right. Well, good. I guess we're done, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you next time. Sorry for the lack of preparation on my part, but we got through it all together. You did just fine. <laughs> Bye. Right, friends. Hey, review Bye. us on iTunes. That's something yeah. you reminded oh, you yeah. for a while. Bye.